you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 is where we are heading together this morning. We'll begin reading in verse 28 in just a moment. And as you already know, this is Palm Sunday, a day as we remember Jesus' entrance to Jerusalem. And this Sunday begins that great drama of what has come to be known as Holy Week. Holy Week. This week, called Holy Week, carries with it a a deep and, and great mystery. It begins with this celebration of Jesus entering Jerusalem. And then the week ends with the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross. It is hard to understand how such a turn could happen. From celebration to crucifixion. But this is the drama. This is the mystery that we are invited into this week. Holy week. And so let's read this story that begins this holy week. Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 28. Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And they were untying the colt. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the celebration of this day and for the truth that you are king. God, I pray that as we consider these words, as we enter this week called Holy Week, that you would draw us into your mystery. As we consider the scripture together today, I ask that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So there is this interesting phenomenon 
that happens from time to time while I am driving. See, I often enjoy listening to music in the car. Uh, you know, some, sometimes classical, sometimes jazz, sometimes folk. So who knows? All, all different kinds of things. And, and most of the time, the music is, is playing just fine. I don't turn it up super loud. I, you know, don't crank up the bass or anything like that. Uh, and the music is just playing just fine. But every now and then, as the music is playing, uh, it'll, it'll be going along with the melodies and harmonies and rhythms and such. And, and then out of nowhere, there will just be this that I feel in the side of my car somewhere. Have any of you ever had an experience like this? You're listening to music, and then out of nowhere, some note sounds, and somewhere your door or something just buzzes along with that note, right? That happens from time to time. And, and the thing is, this can happen with any kind of music, classical, uh, folk, acoustic, rock, rap. It doesn't matter what kind of music you're listening to. Uh, just every now and then, there is some note that will resound, and that makes the car, some part in your car, buzz along with it. And there's a term for this phenomenon. It is called vibrational resonance. Vibrational resonance. Someone who understands the physics of sound could tell you about this far better than I can. But essentially, uh, every object has a particular frequency, a note or a pitch that causes it to vibrate, it causes it to kind of vibrate and buzz. And so uh, there's this, every object has a particular note that resonates with it. Every object has something like this. A, a particular note might sound and, and make, you know, your dishes hum in the background, right? I mean, any object can do this. Uh, and so even your car has a note like this. And whenever it sounds in the music, something in the side of your car starts buzzing along with that note. Uh, it, you know, you might think there's something wrong with the car, there's something wrong with your sound system, but no, it's vibrational resonance. It happens with everything. So next time you're driving and you experience that, you know what it is, right? Fun facts um, that you got to learn today, vibrational resonance. But, but here's the deal. In today's passage, there is quite a bit of resonance. We see Jesus not driving in a car, but riding on a colt into Jerusalem. And this passage is filled with all kinds of notes that resonate throughout the whole of Scripture. As Jesus rides in and the crowd celebrates, we hear all manner of buzzing and vibrating in other parts of Scripture. And all of this resonance carries with it the same message. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Is the resounding vibration from this passage. So I want to consider some of this resonance throughout all of Scripture together this morning and what it means for us. You see, traditionally, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, is divided into three parts. The law, the prophets, and the writings. 
the law, the prophets, and the writings. The law includes the first five books of the Bible. The prophets contains the stories and the words of the prophets of Israel. And then the writings includes the poetry of the Psalms, the, the, the words of the wisdom books, and, and, and other writings. And like the three notes of a chord, the story of, of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem finds resonance in all three sections of the Hebrew Bible. The law, the prophets, and the writings. So I want to look at each one of these together. First, the law, right? The, the first five books of the Bible, there are plenty of places that we could go, but there is one place in particular that I think has the most resonance with this passage, and it comes at the end of Genesis. In Genesis 49, there is a long passage where Jacob blesses and speaks a word over each of his 12 sons. And here are the words he speaks over Judah. He says to him, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. See, Jacob speaks a blessing over Judah, and it is a blessing of kingship. You've got the scepter, the ruler's staff, the obedience of the nations. And you see, it's from Judah that the great King David will descend. And it is from this same line that Jesus comes. Jacob speaks about ruling, and he also shares this image of a donkey, of a young colt with its leash, it's very interesting in the passage that we've just read from Luke that Luke mentions the tying or untying of this, this cult five times in verses 30 through 33. Five times he talks about this tying or untying of the donkey. Perhaps he's alluding to this, these words spoken by Jacob so many years before about a donkey, a colt being tethered. As Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a colt, the crowd celebrates because the resonance is clear. This is the king, the one who holds the scepter and the ruler's staff, the one who will command the obedience of the nations. This is the king. They celebrate. Because there is this resonance all the way back to the law. But there's also resonance in the prophets as well. The prophets, after the exile, as the people returned to rebuild Jerusalem, the prophet Zechariah spoke of a day when the kingdom would be restored. The kingdom would be restored. He proclaimed in Zechariah chapter 9, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. 
righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Once more, we see the same image in even more explicit terms. Zechariah tells the people, your king will come to you like this, riding on a young donkey. So when you see it, rejoice, shout, celebrate. And so, when Jesus comes to Jerusalem on this cult, he is met with great rejoicing. The people remember this. This resounds, and they say, the king is here. The kingdom is being restored. The resonance and the law and the prophets, but also the writings as well. The people sing as Jesus enters in. And what song do they sing? Well, that song is found in the third part of the Hebrew Bible, the writings. We've already spoken the words that they were singing together today. The people start singing Psalm 118, which reads, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us with bows in hand. Join in the procession. Join in the procession. Right? They sang these words as they wave their palms. They wave their leaves around. They sang these words. Why this song? Why did they choose to sing Psalm 118? Well, traditionally, Psalm 118 is a psalm that was sung whenever the king returned to Jerusalem after victory in battle. It's a song that declares the king has come and victory has been won. That's why a few verses before these, it says, Open for me the gates of righteousness, and I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. That's the king singing. He's saying, I'm back. Let's give thanks. There has been victory. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. Open the gates. The king is returning. We rejoice because God has given victory. And so why are they singing Psalm 118? Because Jesus is this king. Jesus is the king riding in, coming to establish the kingdom, announcing God's victory. This is who Jesus is. He is the king. This resounds through all of Scripture, all over the place. But there's even more. There's even more resonance, right? Not only does this scene allude to the whole of the Hebrew Bible, the law, the prophets, and the writings, Luke also shows us how this scene resounds with the whole of Jesus' life. 
I want you guys to think back a few months ago to Advent, to Christmas time. Do you remember what Gabriel spoke to Mary? He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then at his birth, a chorus of angels appeared singing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Gabriel appears to Mary, announces that Jesus will be king. And at his birth, the angels sing of glory in the highest and peace. See here, Jesus arrives as king. In Luke 19, Jesus arrives as king, and the people sing peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Another resonance. So there's resonance from the law, from the prophets, from the writings, and even from the beginning to the end of the gospel of Luke. And all of this resonance repeats the same thing. Jesus is king. Jesus rules over all. And Jesus affirms this to be true. Right? When a Pharisee calls out and says to Jesus, hey, tell these people to be quiet. Right? Get them to stop. Jesus responds, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This celebration of the king is right and true. Nothing can stop it. So how does Holy Week take the turn that it takes? How does this resounding celebration become crucifixion. Well, you see, this, this turn that happens is also found in the resonance of all of these passages. But we have to look deeper. We have to move beyond the promise of Jesus as king to the description of what kind of king he is to be. You see, the people thought he was coming to fight a battle. They're rejoicing and cheering because they want Jesus to win a war for them, to free them from the oppression of Rome. But that's not the kind of king that Jesus is. That's not the kind of war that Jesus fights. So let's look back once more 
at these places of resonance that we've already looked, but let's look a little bit deeper. Back to the law. Jacob speaks over Judah a promise of ruling and reigning and the sign of the young donkey. But he does not stop there. He says he will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch, and he will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. This king that comes does not come to rule by the blood of his enemies. He comes by his own blood. It is his garments that are washed in wine and the blood of grapes. Later on in Holy Week, Jesus will raise the cup and say, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. This is the kind of king that Jesus is. The kind who gives his own life, who sheds his own blood. We can look again to the prophet. We can look to Zechariah once more. He speaks of the arrival of the king. And already he's hinted that this king comes lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, right? Not a war horse. But he goes on to say, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. This king does not come to fight with weapons of war, but to break the weapons of war. And he's not breaking the enemy's weapons. He's breaking the weapons of Ephraim and Jerusalem. He's breaking their weapons. He does not come to defeat the nations, but to proclaim peace to the nations. That includes Rome, who rules over them. This is the kind of king that Jesus is. The Prince of Peace. And then there is the psalm. Psalm 118. The people sing, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God. He has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the procession. And the procession up to the horns of the altar. Up to the horns of of the altar. You see, just as we said earlier, this psalm would be sung as the king would ride in victoriously after battle, and he would ride straight in to the temple 
where he would offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving for that victory. And if we keep reading Luke's account down in the next part towards the end of, of the chapter that we've, we've read earlier, we see that Jesus, in fact, does ride into Jerusalem straight to the temple. But instead of offering a sacrifice there, he clears out the temple of all the false sacrifices that are being offered, saying, my house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. You see, Jesus rides in to Jerusalem, and he does go to an altar, just as the psalm says. But is not the altar of the temple. Jesus rides towards the altar of the cross, where he offers himself as a sacrifice. This is the kind of king that Jesus is. This is the kind of king that Jesus is. Jesus arrives as a king. And this arrival re resonates, it resounds through all of Scripture. But it is the cross that truly makes it resonant. It is not only that he is a king. But he is this kind of king. And that's what resonates through all of eternity. He is a king who sheds his blood, gives his life, breaks the weapons of war, and makes peace even with enemies. This is the kind of king that Jesus is. And that's why Holy Week takes the turn that it takes. This is not the kind of king that the people wanted. They wanted a king who would crush their enemies instead of one who would make peace with them. They wanted a king who would lead them into battle not one who would lead them to the cross. What kind of king do you want? What kind of king do you expect? What kind of king would you follow? What kind of king do you want? But more than that, what kind of king do we need? In the midst of a world of chaos, violence, war, do we really need a king who would bring more of that? In the midst of pride and arrogance and self-assertion, do we really need a king who brings 
more of that. No. We need a king who can go into the darkness, into the death, into the chaos, and come out victorious. That's the king that we need. The way of Jesus leads to the cross. This is the mystery of the gospel. That sacrificial death leads to life. But that's not the gospel that the people wanted to hear on Holy Week. So when Jesus was arrested and sentenced to crucifixion, his disciples scattered and fled. When he breathed his last, they laid him in a tomb. They sealed it with a stone and everything grew quiet. But what did Jesus say? If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And that stone will cry out. But that story is next week. Amen.